You're listening to Africans in the Diaspora with your host, Olubanjo, the Bukamana Digu. This podcast is broadcast every Friday, and you can listen to it anywhere you're listening to your podcast. Yes, on any of the platforms that you listen to podcasts everywhere. That is Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcast, Pocket Podcast, Radio Public Podcast, and Spotify. Yes, you can tune in to Africans in the Diaspora. We are here every Friday giving you the best of African music, talk, cultural heritage, and everything you need to know about the Africans in the Diaspora. Yes, because we are not Africans because we are born in Africa. We are Africans because Africa was born in us. Explore the way of life, the music, the food, and the culture of the African people and communities in the diaspora. A people without the knowledge of their past is like a tree without roots. Yes, check out Africans in the Diaspora every Friday with your host, Olubanjo the Bukaman Adigun. You can get in touch with us at, by emailing us at african675 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, African Diaspora 19. We are on Instagram, African underscore 675. We are on Facebook, African in the Diaspora. Also on Tumblr, African in the Diaspora. Yes, that is the name of the podcast. African in the Diaspora. Please make sure you share and let your people know about African in the Diaspora on anchor.fm. Thank you for listening and please don't forget to share it. Hello and welcome to African in the Diaspora with your host today, Marcin Adagun. Today we are going to be turning the tables around and learn a little bit a little bit more about the man behind the voice as we interview the host of this pod- podcast, Alabanjo the Bukaman Adigan. So Alabanjo, the first very important question is, where did you get the name the Bukaman? Oh, thank you and uh, I appreciate you doing this for us on uh, African in the diaspora. Yes, uh, the uh, the name Bukaman comes from the name Buka. Buka is a place in the village where you go to at the end of the day after going to farm uh, or wherever whatever you do in the villages to relax and uh, drink palm wine, eat some food. It's just like a, a shelter or a cafe, you might call it. So that is where I got the idea from. So that is where we get the idea of Bukateria in Lagos or in other parts of Nigeria that they use for places like that, where you go, listen to music, enjoy good uh, palm wine and conversation. So that is where I got the idea for my radio show. And also uh, it became my pseudonym okay my nickname so they started calling me bookerman because my show was african in uh, african village booker 
and I was the booker man in charge of the village. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. That's how that came about. So tell us or introduce yourself to us and tell us where you're from. I'm originally from Ibadan, or your state of Nigeria. I'm from the Lagelu local government uh, area of Oyo State, Ibadan area. I moved out of my village in the 70s. That will tell you how old. I, after finishing my primary education in the village, I started moving to area out of into the city because my brother was in the army. So I had to leave the village after my second, my primary education. And I went to live with him. First, he was in Nepal, Lagos State. And then we moved from there to other places because he was in the military, he was a soldier. So I became a, a soldier, a, a soldier son. Even though he was my brother, but I was moving with him everywhere he, he went. So I, I moved from my village around 1970-72. But from there, we moved back to Lagos. After moving around for some time, we moved back to Lagos. And I, that was when I decided to go and live with my uncle, who is a, an, a, a, is an architect. He, 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 he was living in Lagos, so I said, well, instead of moving around like this and not have a stable place, because soldiers are like that, he has a, a future in the military. I don't think I was going to join the military. So I moved to Lagos to continue my education. So I moved with my uncle in Lagos, and there I continued my education, my secondary school, my uh higher education, uh, technical college and everything. I did it in Lagos. So from there, I there was a group for me because when I was little, my mother is a very good, uh, was a very good dancer. May Lord rest her soul. She was a very good dancer. So I travel a lot in the village going to different festivals, you know, just as a young man. So I'll be watching them doing their dance and uh, masquerade and stuff like that. I enjoyed it, but I was not showing interest. I mean, I was in need, so I knew what they were doing. I could hear the rhythm, I could hear the, uh, the song, the music and everything, which was in me then. It was already in me. So I went to, I moved to Lagos. After my higher education, my uncle asked me what I, what did I really wanted to do? I was very good at, uh, as an artist before, but something very tragic happened. The wife of my uncle saw me drawing after my, when I got back home one day from school. And you know how, uh, Back home, the way it was, you didn't, well, it, it, people tried to look down on you if you don't aspire to be a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. Anything other than that, they will look down on you. 
I was very good at drawing. I was drawing. I came in from school after my homework was done. I started drawing. She came in. She said, oh, is that all you're going to do for the rest of your life? That broke my spirit. Yeah, that can have a long-lasting impact oh, yes, on, it a, did. on a young person's life. Oh, yes, it did. I put the pen down and the stencil and the paper that I was using. From that day, I never looked back at drawing again. Hmm. I, it just completely shut me down. And I still think about it today because I didn't mean I did not let it worry me or bother me so much. Maybe I would have been one of the best artists around now, but that is in the past. I don't know if I forgive her because I still think about it today, you know, mm -hmm. because when you do something to a young person, and that is one of my lessons in life that I learned on that day that you never treat a young person anyhow because it has an effect on them for the rest of their life. Sure. I, and that is why I'm saying I don't even know if I forgive her, but... May I so rest in peace. Uh, that is all gone by. When she did that to me, I left my skin through my paper. I never touch it again. I never. I, if I see somebody drawing, it always intrigued me. When I see an artist doing their painting, and it, it intrigued me because I know it's inside me, somewhere buried down there. Mm -hmm. so, but I never let that bother me. So, but I remember that I know how to dance very well. So, there was a uh, group in uh, Lagos. They were having audition. I saw it in the paper. They were having an audition. They are called the Black Heritage Group, led by Bola Eberiga. I'm like, hmm, this is an interesting thing. I know I can dance. Let me go and try and see if I can join this group. Because I wasn't doing anything then, except for, you know, after you, you continue your education, after your education, you have to look for job and things like that. I wasn't doing anything. I said, let me go audition. So about 1,800 people, that is 1,800 people, showed up for the audition hmm. in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, oh, but to God be the glory. I was one of the few that were selected in the first group because it became like a group selection. Mm -hmm. They started selecting different groups, different groups, and then you, they break us into groups like this group, go that group. And then at the end of the day, when the overall selection of 18, was it 18 people or is either 18 or 25 people were selected, I was, I was, one of those that were selected to be the, uh, in the group. It was a tedious training exercise, dancing on the hard concrete floor. Mm. I mean, trying to impress the people doing the auditioning, the, uh, the, uh, the stage manager, the uh, artistic director, that you can do this. You know, you have to impress them. You don't even look at what the hard uh, concrete floor is. You're jumping up and down to impress them. Mm. But as to God be the glory, I excel. Uh, every time they pick up a group, they always put me in the 
group. And that is how I became a member of the Black Heritage hmm. Organization. I was doing that for some years. And uh, we, we, we started traveling. We went to Germany and uh, some part of uh, Russia, Plodiv. We went to Russia, we went to France, and then came back. Then the, the group became split. I mean, it was good that I was able to travel all these places, but the group became split. And so we all came back and became, we started from scratch again. And then some few years later, uh, uh, one of my brothers that I've known for years, uh, Mr. Dabo Iku, came from America. He was living in America. He came from America, talked to Mr. Olowe. Yes, uh, and that, well, he has an idea and he knows some great people, great artists that he can put together to form a group and take back to America. But before then, we were, we formed another group, which was called African Heritage. Hmm. African Heritage was under the directorship of uh, Bola Iberiga. So it was like when she left Black Heritage and there was a split, we moved the other split, we followed that hmm. with some group, good, good, good uh, artists. I mean, from different parts of Nigeria. I was from the West. There are people from the East, from the North, from the South. Everywhere, we were all in the group. And so we formed African Heritage Group. After some travel, I don't understand why it is like that, that every time a group form, there's always, at the end of the day, no matter how successful they are, there will be a division and the group will split because mm. that was what happened with African heritage. Mm. And so Mr. Daboib Cook came back. He said he was going to form another group, Odushiela. We formed the Odushiela group. I was one of the main uh, members of the group because I've been doing this for some time now. And uh, he, me and some other... Uh, some other people with myself and uh, Mr. Daboiku put the group together with the help of Mr. Olowe. Mr. Olowe was a philanthropist and uh, uh, he has a big company, so he was, you know, he was well capable of doing what he wanted to do financially for the group. <laughs> so he was the one that bought the costume, the everything. We took about few months. We were staying in his own compound hmm. like uh what do you call it when you go for a camp mm, okay. we were there they were feeding us taking care of us we were exercising like a boot camp a boot camp <laughs> yes it was like a boot camp because we were exercising every day rehearsing every day getting ready to come to america and from there we were able to make it under odushela came to america our intention when we were doing all this was Come to America for six months, go back six months. Come to America, perform six months, go back six months in Nigeria. But when we got here, everything changed. Everything went south. So people started finding their own ways. 
we were looking for avenues for ourselves. Uh, and that was how Odishiela ended. But few of us stayed in Cincinnati, Ohio. Some other people stayed, went to other parts of uh, America. But we stayed in the base of our organization here. So, and then later we formed other group, Biokoto. Uh, with, no, it was first, uh, what was it? I think I, I cannot reconnect, but recollect the name now. But we formed it under so many different names before we finally came to the name Biokoto. Biogoto is, uh, is, you know, the spinning top mm -hmm. is called Okoto. And so spinning like the spinning top, Biokoto, like the spinning top, that's mm -hmm. where that came about. And we became a group. And we, we were doing that for some years. And then as I was, I started working because I couldn't do that full time. I was doing it full time before I got married and things were not going well with the marriage because I was putting too much effort into Biokoto, not putting enough effort at home. And there was not much money coming in. So I said, well, I told my brothers and sisters that were there, I'm like, I have to come out of this and find another job. So I started, I worked for the post office. I worked for, I did a, self-employment for some years and you know it's 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 very tough being an artist no matter where you are except for the musicians and uh, some other people but being a cultural artist like we it was very tough because you don't have shows like every day or every month like that so and we have to work hard for whatever we we have mm -hmm. so I'm sorry. I, I'm, I know I'm taking so long to tell, to just tell you a short story about myself. Yes, but because this is part of who you, that this person came from, and if I don't tell those story, it will not really make any sense to tell you exactly who I am today. So, so you answered my next question, and what at, is that? which was, how did you, or why did you come to America? Oh, yes. So uh, your dancing led you to America? Yes. <coughs> I've been to other countries, like we went in Germany, in Russia, in, uh, we, we tore a lot of part of Nigeria and some other African countries. So, but we decided to come to America. We decided to come to America and here we are today. And here you've stayed. And here I've stayed. For if, how many years? Uh, it's going over, over, it's over 30 years. Wow. So exactly how many, but it's over 30 years that I've been in this country. But the thing is, I've been in this state, Ohio State. So I stayed here, but I traveled to other parts of America, you know, like Mm -hmm. We went to Alabama, California, Los Angeles, everywhere we've been traveling. And, but this but has been... Cincinnati has become your home Yes, place. it has been our base, yes. Even though some of us left and they went to other states. But for me and some few other people, Cincinnati has been our home. So what have you, once, once you kind of put the dancing aside, what have you been doing... Um, occupationally well, in America. Yeah, I've done a lot, thank God. 
I was, I worked for different companies. I was a self-contractor for so many years, delivering. I was into delivery. I did my own janitorial business. Uh, then, uh, I think it was on one of my delivery business that I was listening to the radio. And uh, I had on the radio uh, 88.3 FM, WAIF, Cincinnati. We are having people to send in proposal if they have an idea for a program that they can send it in and maybe they will get a radio show. Sure. I've been listening to Afropop Worldwide with Josh Kalile for so many years. This was a guy from DRC, uh, French-speaking African part. Before, I listened to him for many years on uh, NPR. His name is Josh Kalile. And his show was Afropop Worldwide. He intrigued me. He inspired me. Uh, when I lis- when I was listening to him, I'm like, hmm, I want to be like that. You know, even the way his, his talk on the radio is very, I mean, it's lovely. I love it. So when I had them, uh, WAIF, ask me for proposal, I know I love music. I know I have so many CD of music that I've been buying throughout the years of African music. I know I know a lot about Africa. <clears throat> I say, okay, what other ways can I promote my culture in this part of the world since I'm not into more dancing anymore than to play music on the radio? So what I did was got in touch with uh, my... She's an, they are they are no longer married now, but they were married at that. They were friends at that time. I was the one that really got them together, Junita Olowe and uh, Mr. Adebola Olowe. I got in touch with uh, Sister Junita. I'm like, please, I need somebody to help me with this proposal. She said, What do you want to do? I said, I have the idea in my head. It's just putting it on paper to because it's like a questionnaire. Sure. So I went to her. She I, she will, she will ask me the question. I will say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. How are you going to bring the music? This is how I'm going to provide the music. The interview, this is what I'm going to So she helped me put it on paper. I was so glad. And I'm, I'm still always grateful to her. And I submitted the proposal to WAIF. Mr. Ray Emley, may so rest in peace, was the station manager then, the high station manager. So I talked, uh, he interviewed me. He said, well, I think this is the type of um, program that we have been looking for, a diverse program for a diverse station. So he said, okay, we're going to give you a trial run during the summer because we were sharing our frequency then with a school. Mm -hmm. So during the summer, when the school is out, they will bring a new programmer in. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> try us for that three months that the school is out and see if we are up to the par. Hmm. So I did my program uh, that, uh, that time. And by the end of the summer, they told me I have a program, I have a show. The name of the show is African Village Booker. I'm like, wow. They said, yes, 
your program has been getting a lot of response from the community they love it the, the music you play even though <laughs> being a new person on the radio you make so many mistakes but they understand you know people love it they write in they call in so and so i became one of the he put me uh for my show to start with it was from 10 to 12 midnight hmm. sunday night i was doing it I, I mean i love it and after me was a comedy show <laughs> so uh, anyway it was fun so from african music to comedy from 10 to 12 midnight on sunday and after about six months they were still getting the same response so and then there was an opening from six to eight which is prime time mm -hmm. he, he came to me he said would you like to be in that slot i'm like oh that would be great that's prime time he said yes i said yes so i became a prime time uh show uh, it was very interesting that from six to eight every sunday night on waif cincinnati is african village booker with your host ulubanjo the booker man <laughs> and i mean it's it's stick, stick in my head every every time so that's how that came that's how that that's how that came and how long have you been with wave I, w -A -I, mm, I think i started in 1996 or 2006 is it 2006 or 1996 but he said that one of those because i've been there for over 20 years now wow yes so. i've been there over 20 years wow yep i've been i've been with them I, i've been a programming coordinator i've been chairman of the board i've been uh station manager I've been <laughs> <laughs> because i've been there for so long and mm -hmm. i know the uh the way the organization run it was a very interesting organization so with you with you doing your radio show did that spark an interest in you after a period of time to start your own podcast yes uh yes when i did that for so many years like i was saying and you get born out sometimes sure just like with anything anything but life. the thing is i wasn't born out on doing what i love to do play music but the politics of the place get to you and that is what really bomb people out so when pandemic came sure in 2020 that was like mm, green light for me well first of all everything was shut down so you cannot go anywhere you can't go to the station because it's a public place uh or you have to wear masks you can't uh so i said okay let me do something from home so i said let me talk think about i've been thinking about podcasts even way before then but when the pandemic hit and then i know i cannot be doing this i'm like okay this is the time for me to do this but most importantly why i keep doing what i'm doing is because of the propaganda about africa in most of the media most of the media you don't hear what it is true about africa all you hear is what they think sensational news is what they talk about oh there is killing in nigeria uh, kidnapping in congo uh, ebola and somewhere 
That is all they talk about. They don't talk about positive things coming mm -hmm. out of Africa. They don't talk about good news coming out of Africa. They don't talk about good music coming out of Africa. Most of the young Americans nowadays, they are getting their hip hop uh, from Africa. Most of what they are playing now is what they have already played in Africa for about five, ten years ago. Sure. And so I'm like, it is time for this propaganda and to uh, misrepresentation to stop. I'm like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to continue to do this. I have to talk to people. I have to get them to know about Africa, and especially for the Africans in the diaspora, so that they can still have their mindset about where they come from. Sure. There is a saying by uh, Mosiah Gavi, his uh, activist from Jamaica, he said, we are not Africans because we were born in Africa. We are Africans because Africa was born in us. And that is one of my motto for this program. It's not because I'm from Africa that I, I'm an African. Africa was born in me. So you might be anywhere in the world. You can never say you are not an African. Whether you are in uh, Zaupo, Norpo, uh, Alaska, the colder place you will find in Nigeria, you will find an African. They might be from any part of Africa. So, but you're still an African. You might take them out of Africa, like they took most of the uh, black Americans that we call African-American now. They took them out of Africa. That didn't take Africa out of them. Sure. They are Africa wherever they were. They are wherever they are. They are Africans. And that is how the name Africans in the diaspora came about. Sure. Yes. So I say, I have to stop all the propaganda. I have to let these people know about who they are. Because another thing is, if you don't know your route, you don't know where you are going to. If you don't know your, where you are coming from, you will never know where you are going to. So if you forget about your route, the African route, then you are a lost tribe. You, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. But when you always think that, oh, I know where I come from, you will always have that to guide you. So I, I feel like you already answered this question. So by you sharing the good things of Africa, mm -hmm. the music, the culture, the history, that's probably what you're wanting to accomplish in this podcast. Exactly. Correct? That is what I'm, I, I want the Africans in the diaspora never to forget their root. Sure. To keep thinking about it. Even if it's just a snippet of my program they listen to, of the podcast they listen to wherever they are, even on their job, on in their home, wherever they can listen. And that is one good thing about podcasts. You can listen to it on your phone, at home, on your laptop, everywhere you are. You can carry it with you. So they, it will make them, it will jar them off to remember where they're coming from. Sure. Yes. So who... What type of audience are you hoping to target with this podcast? Because I feel like it's not only for Africans. Oh, no. I feel like it's for anybody. You know, it's not. It's not really for Africans. You know, what? one of the motivation facts about one of the reasons I started this program is my wife that I got married to. 
Miss Machine Campbell, Mrs. Adigunao. Yes, <laughs> that's me. Yes, that's you. <laughs> yes. I came home one day after we got married. And what did I hear in the house playing when, when the dinner was already set on the table? You were playing African music in the, uh, in the, on the TV coming in the house on our speaker. I'm like, wow. So if you, a non-black, a non-African, can remind me not to forget my heritage and that you love who you marry for who they are, you don't want them to forget who they are, I'm like, I have to do this. So it's not only for Africans in the diaspora, it's for everybody to learn about the continent of Africa. So stop thinking that Africa is a country, that Africa is not a country, but a continent with different countries and different languages. Mm -hmm. So speaking of your wife, or I guess me. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> that's you. How did you, um, how did you, how did we meet? Uh, <laughs> you can tell that story better than I can. But you know, it's an interesting story. I work for the city of Cincinnati. I drive a metro bus that does with the elderly and the people with some kind of disability, either visual handicap or any kind of handicap. And that is how I met my wife. She take the bus to work and I pick her up. Uh, oh, that's how I met you, my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. You forget who's interviewing you. It's yeah. all right. <laughs> yes. So I, we, I, the first day I met my wife, was like, hmm, I've never felt like that about anybody. I've been in this country for over 30 something years. Even the first person that I was married to, it wasn't like that. But when I met her, even though she was white, I'm like, hmm, in my head, I said, I'm going to marry that woman. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was being cocky or, you know, but sometimes, your spirit knows what you want. And that is what happened when I met my wife, when I met you. <laughs> I, I, I saw you. My, the question that came to my mind is, is she married? Is she straight? I mean, is, I mean, <laughs> is she racist? Those are the three questions that I was, I mean, came to my mind. Like, because if I can get over those, if you are not married, great. If you are not gay, awesome. If you are not racist, wonderful <laughs> because any of those can be a determined sure yes so uh so i started taking my time and planning my moves you know <laughs> because, no no you have to be careful especially if you have to do with your job with whatever you do you have to be very careful how you handle things in life because you don't want anything to affect your livelihood so i was very laid back I'm a very social person. I love to talk. I have to joke and, you know. So when when I pick her up, I will say some funny stuff. She laugh. I'm like, hmm, she laugh my, my joke. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so we started talking and talking. And then one day something happened on the bus that was like an icebreaker. One of my friends that I pick up, uh, Mr. Christopher, <laughs> I was training another driver, and the, the driver said, 
are you doing today, sir? I mean, just being polite. He said, terrible. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> so, he said, you, he said, Terri-. so when he got on the bus, I'm like, how are you doing, sir? He said, terrible. I'm like, eh? So I look, and I look over at uh, Miss Machine, and both of us started laughing. Like, wow. <laughs> but this guy... I've had him on the bus before. He always said that thing, but he never clicked like that. Because when you look at the face of my uh, driver in training, he was like, okay. <laughs> so, and my, my, my wife now, <laughs> Mrs. Ma- uh, Machine, I look at her and we both burst out laughing like, wow, did he just say that? And that was how everything, I mean, that was like a... a I break up for both of us mm-hmm. because after that we started talking more and more and more. Yeah. And but I will never come out straight that uh, I want to date you. No, 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 no. Because you have to be very careful with your job and relationship. It can affect you anyway. So you have to be very careful. But she's a mature person, a very well laid back Christian woman. So, but I took my time. Almost it took me almost a year. <laughs> Just trying to get to data. Wow. I'm a tough catch. Yeah, you are. You are, baby. You are. You are not easy. I have to take my time, like, no, because any mistake can be like a no-go area. So I asked her if she was married. She said no. I said, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so that was one question out of the way. Few months later, you straight, you of course, yes. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and then the way she I interact with anybody, everybody on the bus, I, I knew then that she couldn't be racist because the way she talked, I mean, when you meet a racist, no matter how much they try to hide it, one thing will sl- slip out of their mouth or their action that you will know that this person is a racist. So over a year, I didn't see that from from you. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is the person. So one day I took a courage. I'm like, oh, uh, trying to concentrate on the road. I'm like, uh, have you ever been, do you have ever, you think that somebody can have a cross, uh, an older person can have a cross? You say, <laughs> of course, yes. I'm like, oh, Good. Mm. And just so you know, I think that's when I first realized I think he has a crush on um. me. <laughs> I think later that day or later that week, mm-hmm. I, I was staying. No, I wasn't staying with my aunt and uncle. I had already moved into the mm-hmm. condo. Yeah. I remember telling my aunt and uncle, there's this driver, <laughs> and I think he has a crush on me. Uh-huh. And I think the next time I saw them, I said, you remember that driver? <laughs> He asked me to date him. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we started dating. And the rest is history. History. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two years. Almost. Almost two years. Almost two years now. And it's it's history. I I really thank God for everything. And I thank you for doing this so that people will know the person behind the podcast. And it's not just to have a podcast. It's the passion I have for what I'm doing, you know. Yeah. It's passion to share our history, our heritage, our culture to the people of in the, in the people in the diaspora and all over the world. Because 
I have people listening in South Africa, Australia, India. I mean, when you look at the chat, you can tell the percentage of people listening mm. from other, even if it is one person, but people are listening from all over the world, wow. learning more about African culture and what we do on African in the diaspora. Well, um, so I guess, you know, doing this podcast has probably been a pretty good experience for oh, you then so ha- far, huh? Yes, it has been a good experience. And I'm learning a lot with the help of my, with, with your help too. I'm learning a lot. Uh, it's like every time I do a podcast, it's a new experience. Every time I have, even if it's just playing music or interview people on, or just, you know, talking about stuff, it's always a different experience. And I want everybody from all over the world, no matter what part of Africa, to know that this podcast is for them. It's for you all. I can come to anywhere you are and talk to you like, okay, please, whatever you are doing, you might... What brought you to America? Why are you here? What do you do to inspire other people from Africa? We had a show some few weeks back when we were talking to Mr. Titus in Zioki from Kenya. We're going to be talking to other people too, but we need to know about the person behind the podcast. And that is why I say, my wife, could you help me? And she <laughs> volunteered to help. It's been fun. I know... I'm doing a lot of talking. But if you go through my rambling, you, I know you will learn a lot about the person behind the podcast. And that is why we're doing this. Well, I I think to close, I just want to say, you know, just, you know, from um, obviously you becoming my husband and um, we being mixed cultures, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been, very much a learning experience for me. Oh, yes. Being your wife, not only because I see you every day, but just through this podcast and your radio mm-hmm. um, show on WAVE, I've been able to learn about Africa and your culture and even have grown to make some of your music some of my favorites. Yes. Which yeah. I never would have expected. So that's, you know, definitely something I've gotten. Thing, the funny thing, again, my wife, is you now cook African food. You cook one of the best jollof rice. <laughs> and my family, the, all my African family, when they, they taste your jollof, they say, wow, she follow it to the... She cannot make any mistake. She followed the instruction. You know, she's a good chef. You can tell from my picture. <laughs> I thank you very much, my dear, for doing this. And uh, we thank you all for listening to African in the Diaspora with your host. Today, Marcin Adegon. Yes, we are here every Friday on African in the Diaspora. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Podcast, Google Podcasts, uh pocket podcast radio republic and spotify so check us out any of any of those we are on anchor.fm every friday africans in the diaspora with your host olubanjo the bookerman you can email us at african 
african675@gmail.com. That is african675@gmail.com. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Tumblr. So check us out, Africans in the Diaspora. On Instagram, it's African underscore 675 on Instagram. On Twitter, it's African Diaspora 19. African Diaspora 19. So email us anytime you can at African. 675 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to African in the Diaspora today with our special guest host, Marcin. Marcin Adigun. Yes, thank you very much, my love. You're welcome. I really appreciate you and keep listening. Please don't forget to share African in the Diaspora with your host, Oliver and George Bukaman Adigun, every Friday on anchor.fm. Thank you. May the peace and the blessing of the Lord be with each and every one of you. Have a good weekend and a wonderful week. Much. <laughs> Hi, Bukeman, my brother. Uh, I must say I'm really, really I'm impressed, you know, listening to your podcast. And uh, more impressed uh, for the, just for the fact that uh, Machine decided to really uh to host it and um that's so awesome you know i listened to everything and it was so inspiring uh your purpose of actually starting a podcast is uh is getting true bro i i virtually have the same you know uh the same goal which you know very well so um this is just like a kind of like a, a backup, like, come on, you know, a push. Uh, come on, brother. Let's get it going. Uh, God bless you, man. God bless you. And I love the